Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. Hello, friends. Hi. You know the usual format of our podcast. Where Kenton does something really ridiculous. Which I'm kind of usually doing in life anyway. Right, so it's not that far from the truth. It really isn't. Right. Little slice of life, and yet there. (laughs) But sometimes, you know, we do our transformational videos, and I think once in a while we're also going to... Videos. It's been so many years (laughs) doing videos. Mindfulness, like we always talk (laughs) about. It is. It's always videos. Mindfulness teacher. (laughs) Podcasts episode. (laughs) Sometimes I think we're also going to just fill you in with what's going on. And in this case, we have a really exciting thing that we want to share with you today. Oh, yeah. It kind of came into my mind because this morning we had a pretty good adventure out in the woods. Oh, it was so fun. So I usually get up and take the dog for a walk in the morning. And I love that because the birds are singing and Oh, you get the sun coming up through the trees and wind. We have wind right now. So if you hear that, that we're out in the yurt, there's wind. And I decided, hmm, we haven't checked our uh, maple sap buckets for a few days because it was really cold. I thought, I better just jot by there and see if there's anything in them. And lo and behold, holy mama, the buckets were, some of them were overflowing. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go back and tell everybody after breakfast we got to collect sap. And as I was walking back. I heard the low, distant rumble of thunder. So then I came back faster and I said, "Uh, instead of after breakfast, we better go now in case it rains. (laughs) And it's so fun to go out there with the kids. Oh my gosh. They suck on on the little spigots and they drink from the buckets and we bring back this beautiful abundance of sap and we don't even boil it down. We just drink it as a spring tonic. Oh, it's so delicious. It feels so nourishing. This food from nature. Of course, at Rewild University, we teach a lot of foraging. It's pretty important to our whole programming to learn how to get at least some of your food from the wild. Wild food? It's better than organic. It is so nutrient-dense. And there's amazing flavors that you just cannot get in a grocery store. Okay, I'm reminded of Jerry. Yes, yes. Jerry, beloved, beloved friend of ours. And he grew up here in America, but he was was very Greek in a wonderful way. And he would always talk about horta. He would say, you know, Kenton, what I think is missing is the horta. Because (laughs) the horta in Greece is just all these wild gathered greens that you go get. And then you steam them up just to perfection. And you drizzle a little olive oil and a little bit of lemon juice and maybe a sprinkle of sea salt. And you just eat them. And they have... All these nutrients that we don't even know what's in them. So good. And do you remember the first time we gave that to our children? Oh, my gosh. They loved it. Yes. Liliana just like... I don't think I got any that day. I don't know. I think she wasn't (laughs) even quite two or something. But So the wild foods, not only are they fun, not only are they nourishing, but they're important too because they connect us to nature. That is a super important part of it. As we start to get our food from nature... We see the direct connection that we have Mm. with the natural world. We are so far removed from our food sources these days. The food, well, here, and I do not blame the child in this story. It was this wonderful woman who goes around with her farm animals and her chickens. And she has a chicken that every time she takes it to a school group will 100% guaranteed lay an egg. So she was somewhere where 
the kids didn't have a lot of access to that sort of thing. And she said, okay, everybody, I have a question for you. Do you know where eggs come from? And one little child raised his or her hand and said, from the grocery store. And she said, oh, well, that's a great, of course, they come from the grocery store for you, but where does it come from before the grocery store? And she said, look over here in my wonderful little, she had a little kind of like a wire playpen area so the chicken could wander around in a little nesting box. She said, look over here and you will see what what happens when this chicken lays an egg because that's where it comes from. And the child was could not believe wh- what this egg comes out of the chicken right. did not register. And that shows just how far removed we can get from our food. Most of our our vegetables, they come wrapped in plastic. Or and, from thousands of miles away. Oh, yeah. So, so far away. The petroleum costs to get those foods to us, the the plastic wrap, which I already mentioned, the pesticides, the way our, our agriculture works, it all takes a really big toll, not to mention that lack of connection with the food that you talked right. about. Right. So... We know there's a lot of reasons why it's really important to be connected with our food. And that was something that we started to notice as we thought about living in the yurt. And actually, we think about it a lot. Last summer, I was super bummed because we had Mm. a very busy summer. And it was wonderful in so many ways. But I missed going to pick tons of berries and tons of wild food. And I would say, oh, well, today I was going to try to go get elderberry, but I guess I'll do that tomorrow and then something else. And okay, well, I guess I'll do that. And pretty soon I go to see where the elderberries are and they're gone. And it shows how this works in our world because there's this food that's available there in the wild. And even if you live in a city, people forage in the cities, Mm -hmm. but often we can't go partake of it because our lives are too filled and busy with trying to work and do other things in order to save up enough money to go purchase our food from the grocery store. Right. And it seldom dawns on us that maybe we could take that whole middle thing out of working so much in order to go to the grocery store and just go directly to the wild foods. That's kind of the trap I think that we got into last year. Yeah. And it's been a big inspiration for this announcement. Which is? Well... First of all, I think we just are really doing a good job of spreading out, not telling what this is about. <laughs> and we should keep going a little bit further. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wonder if anybody is still listening. If you're still listening, wow, way to go. <laughs> <laughs> because there's the yurt and the simplification process. Okay, right, yes. But there's... Well, yeah, there's our move to Hawaii. Maybe you've heard about that? Yes, so a lot of people know already that we are going to be going to Hawaii. And while we're in Hawaii... We really wanted to have something near and dear to our hearts that we could use to help us grow, to help us explore Hawaii. And what we came up with is something we call the 100% Project. We had to find something that was in line with what we're already doing, but that would expand us into some new territory. Now, you've probably heard, well, the reason not to go to Hawaii is because it's incredibly expensive. Yeah. Housing is very expensive and food is very expensive. This is true. And we, as we moved out into the yurt, we thought, hey, let's try to forage a bit more as we're living in the yurt, as we go into this summer. And then that led us to thinking, hey, when we go to Hawaii, let's try to forage. I mean, oh my gosh, could you imagine? There's trees (laughs) that are laden with fruit dropping from the heavens and there's fish. And and so we thought, could we take out that whole expense of food by trying to work towards basically 100% of our food almost coming from the wild. Now I have to step in. You're going to step in because 
I just had to say almost there because part of the 100%, part of our mission here is... Well, part of our mission is that we want to support local people. Mm-hmm. And we also want to be able to start getting our fingers in, digging into permaculture as well. And so those are a lot of options that are available to us in Hawaii. And so for us, the 100% project comes down to, at the end of our year, being able to say, yes, we're 100% local, meaning I think we have decided 50 miles or less away, permaculture or gardened, or wild, foraged, or caught. Yeah, that is something that we want to try to take on in a, in a pretty reasonable way, we think at least, which is that in the first month, we want to be at 10%. Yes. The second month, 20%. make sure we're at 20%. If we go faster than this, awesome. But by only holding ourselves to that, we're giving ourselves time to learn this new ecological system. We have to learn how to spearfish. We have to learn how to forage in this new environment. I don't even know what mushrooms grow over there. Mushroom will be completely new to us yeah. over there. So this is very exciting because what it's done for us is get something that we're passionate about. I mean, all last summer I kept saying, okay, next year. I I still say that to people. I have today, this year is the year of foraging. So we're going to get to forage. We're going to get to learn things from there, but we also get to share it with you and you can come along for the ride as well. A, you can hear all about our adventures. And of course, Kenton being the crazy goofy guy he is, I'm sure there will be some wackiness involved, but (laughs) B, you could join us in this as well, right? We wanted to create something that wasn't just going to be about us, but something that as we learn and grow, we can share with all of you and say, hey, you can join us too. And it doesn't have to be a hundred percent. You could pick a percent. Yeah. And we don't have anything online yet, but we want to create something online where you can come and you can say, okay, I'm devoting myself to 5%. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of you're talking about accountability There's here? some accountability, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I think, helps all of us. That's the reason we're putting it out there. So now we're making ourselves accountable right. oh, to shoot. all Should of you. Oh, shoot, should we stop this one? <laughs> I know, that's kind of how I feel sometimes. Do I tell people about this? Because if I don't, and not that many people know. No, but it's, it's really fun. It's a great challenge. And there's so much involved within that because you start to pay attention. There's awareness. What's important to me food-wise? Where is it coming from? There's all of these different things. And foraging here is very different from foraging in Hawaii. So there's a lot to be learned. I think another thing that really appealed to me was as we consciously create our life here, we're doing so in a way that we're downsizing, so we have less expenses. And part of that is because we want to have more time with family, more connection with each other, with the community of people we're involved with, and also with our mission. Time for putting out these podcasts and the videos. Now, as we were thinking about what we would do in Hawaii, thought, how can we consciously create something that not only is going to sustain us, but is going to fulfill all those other things? And the thing I love about this is that In doing the foraging, we can take videos of the foraging adventures. Those can go on the YouTube channel. We can share in the podcast some of our evolutions as we go through this. At the same time, we're getting food for ourselves and we're reducing our costs. And And spending time together in nature, which is like one of our top priorities. Oh my gosh. 
and it can be yours too. If you come along with us, we're going to encourage you to get out in your backyard and collect dandelions. We're going to encourage you to call some friends and say, hey, I think it might be morel season. The beautiful thing about us taking this to Hawaii is that as we go into this completely kind of foreign environment to learn things, we've lived here long enough that as we share with you, we can say, hey, guess what, guys? This is a perfect time of year. If you happen to live back in this area, go check out the basswood leaves right now, Mm -hmm. right? And so we can give you resources for where you are to go and get connected to. Awesome. Well, this has another whole side of it. It's sort of like what goes in must come out. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm serious. So as food comes in, we have things associated with it, like trash. You mentioned all those plastic wrappers. We have recycling, which you told me something scary about recycling the other day, which I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, Somebody sent us a news article that China won't be taking a lot of the recycling that they were from the United States. And that's going to increase the cost of recycling in the U.S., which could mean that a lot of municipalities will stop recycling or have to be taking a lot of money out of their budget, which could go towards other things, to continue the recycling programs. It's, it's kind of rough on recycling. And I know that we've been looking at the amount of trash and recycling generated by ourselves and wondering, hey, how could we cut back? As we started to think about the 100% project, we thought at the end of this, because most of our trash and recycling comes from uh, food, mm-hmm. We thought at the end of this year, we would have almost no trash or recycling to deal with. Very, very little. Very little. Obviously, there will be certain things, I mean, set aside from the food category that perhaps, we, you know, you just can't help. But that can be looked at as well. But it's very exciting to think that from our food, we may have basically zero. And as these recycling changes come into effect, people are really going to have to take a look at those famous three R's which is reduce, reuse, recycle. And so many of us have just been looking at that last one, recycle. recycle. Yeah, that's, that's at the end of the list. I always forget that. It's not like recycle. Oh, and then think about reusing or reducing. <laughs> and that's, we've got to switch that list around. We've got to start thinking not just of the end one, but thinking about reusing stuff and especially thinking about reducing because if we can reduce the amount, then we can start to negate some of these problems with these massive landfills, with the plastics in the ocean. Okay, I have two things to say. The first one is that we were having this conversation with our girls um, age eight and five. We were talking about trash and the idea came up of cultures that used to have their trash pits right outside of where they lived. And of course, back (laughs) then it was like pottery shards and that, this and that. But Our girls said, Mom and Dad, wow, what if we had to throw everything we throw away, we threw right in our front yard? What would that be like? Mm. And so as we go through the store, as we make purchases, there's this thought. Mirabelle especially keeps coming back and saying, (laughs) Mom, is this something we want to look at in our front yard? And so that's just a little kind of, I like it because it's a little mind thing that says, wow, every time I throw something away, what if I was throwing it in my front yard? And so it's just to help us realize... The recycling is great. I'm not saying please don't recycle. I'm saying what if there wasn't recycling? I'm so glad that she did that because it really, for me, opened up my eyes to this thought. Because it's so easy to put stuff into the container and then just get shipped away and you never think about it again. But if you think everything you buy, that's going to go and sit in the trash heap in your front yard. Exactly. It really makes you rethink. Yeah, it really does. And then talking about rethinking. I have to say that the reduce, reuse, recycle really needs a fourth R, and it should be at the very beginning. I've been thinking about this a little bit, and it should be reframe. 
Oh my gosh. Do you get where I'm going? Because if we reframe <laughs> our perceptions of what we need, I really need that, right? And I need that bottle of Tic Tacs, that little plastic container, because it got to freshen my breath. I, I really need this food for supper tonight. I really need that packet of whatever. If we think about what is it I need, and then we also think about what is it I like. I don't like that. I don't like this. I like the way this tastes. I don't want to eat that. If we reframe some of those things, then what do we bring in? The reason that comes home to me is that as we started thinking about the 100% project, we did start to think about reframing food because our food will be completely different as we enter in this new era of eating. Something we did with the girls was looking and saying, what could we start to take out of our diet right now Mm -hmm. that's going to reduce packaging that we probably don't need to be eating anyway? So there was some reframing of our diet. Yeah. And they said, boy, that first trip down, they said, let's get rid of. They said, let's not do any more chips. Now we don't eat a lot of chips, but once in a while, we like to have some tortilla chips with some homemade guacamole. I think we kind of included crackers in there too. Yeah. uh, Because that packaging mostly just gets thrown away. Maybe you have a chip that somehow comes in a recyclable container. Crackers, sometimes you can recycle the cardboard box. They weren't things that were necessarily really fueling our body. They were fun to have. They were quick and easy. But we all said, hey, we can do without that. So the chips are out. And there's all these wonderful equivalents, essentially. So we started getting more carrots. Mm -hmm. And people just love to snack on carrots. We're, of course, still trying to figure out exactly when we get to Hawaii and we do the 100% project, how we're going to calculate our percentage. And we're having a little bit of fun with that. So we've tossed around a bunch of different ideas. What was your first one? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. There's We could obviously calculate calories out, which would just be way too much trouble. We could do a slice, you know, arrange things on the plate. Right. And... I, I was thinking just like before you're going to cook, just lay everything out kind of in the same place every ah. time and, and say, okay, here's all the food that was purchased or did not come from local and then here's the rest and you kind of get to eyeball it. I ah, wanted it to like be that. something that was easy for people to do. You know, so you're roughly guessing. Yeah, that would actually work really well if we just had a little measuring stick Yeah. with one to a hundred and laid everything out in that and you could really get a a feel for what percent you're at. We've got all of that, but we have some, might we say, exciting challenges in our way. Not in our way, but we're on an adventure and we have some things that are not yet in place. We've got the idea for the project. We've got the energy. We've got all of you out there that I know you're going to come along with us. But what's so... What? Isn't that funny? I mean, it's like you get an idea Mm -hmm. and you've got the idea. And this is, I think, the story often with us human beings. But then enacting it. Right. How's it going to happen? I mean, we we do not know where we're going yet in Hawaii. Sorry, mom of ours, if you're worried about that. Um, (laughs) We'll be okay. But we're really looking for a place that we can enact this. And we've we've said it's going to be a year. Obviously, it could be really successful and we might want to extend it out. So we're looking for someone in Hawaii that might be open to some people staying there to do this project for a year. And really, we just need a landowner. We don't need a house or anything. Obviously, we live in a yurt right now. And the other family that we're doing this with, they live in the tropics in a, in a little hut. And they have a permaculture place down there. So we don't need anything fancy. But we are trying to find a place where someone would just appreciate more of a sense of community and would appreciate being to sh- able to share in the harvest of of the fruits and the vegetables and would like permaculture stuff planted on their land. So if you know of anybody 
hey, networking is the way to go. Networking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure is. So, and if you don't know, ask two people that you think are most likely to know. Um, the other thing is we just don't know a whole bunch about the foraging and things in Hawaii. So if you know somebody or you've lived in Hawaii or you live in Hawaii and you know about the wild edibles there or some of the plants or you know how to spear fish, things we like that. need a wild foods guru. <laughs> <laughs> We're just looking to, to share, to share skills. Speaking of sharing, we have to thank you so much, all of you who are patrons through PayPal and Patreon. You just make this possible. For everybody that's listening, this isn't really just, this isn't Rebecca and I. This right. is a community project that's created by those patrons. Yeah, we get to share this with all of you because of our patrons, and it's phenomenal. Join us. You can go to rewildu.com, R-E-W-I-L-D-U.com, and you can become a supporter of our work right there. You just scroll down the page a little bit, and there's some buttons you can hit to take you to PayPal or Patreon. There's also lots of other stuff on our website, online courses. We've got another one coming up soon and information about our courses and classes, etc., etc. All right. Okay. It's time for you to unleash your life. Yeah. Right here, right now, we are talking about how you can come in on this 100% project and help us to make it a movement. Number one. Well, join us. <laughs> Come to the wild side. <laughs> Come to the wild side. <laughs> right. Pick a percent. Do this with us. Say, hey, I want in the next year when this project starts, I want to try it myself. And the thing is, you don't have to aim for 100%. Mm -mm. You can just pick 1%. What if every single person just chose to have 1% of their food come from wild, local, or garden permaculture? That would make a difference. So it doesn't have to be a huge thing. If you're going to choose 1% or 3% or 5%, you might be able to do that just in your backyard by learning the plants, the quote, reeds that you can eat right back there in your backyard. You oh, could, there's so many. Yeah. You could take it further. So we gather wild rice here. Mm. The other two years ago, we got 70 pounds of wild rice. Mm, that's it's delicious. Yes. Uh, we're getting the sap. Our friend Dustin hunted for us last year. I could not pull back a bow. And so our freezer is filled with venison. There's many opportunities to get food outside of this industrial food paradigm. Absolutely. And you can change your percent. Maybe you aim really high and you're like, I'm going to do 90%. And you're like, well, okay, you know, things come up. You can't do it. Scale it back. Maybe it's super easy. You're like, I reached 5% already. I'm going to take it higher. Totally at your discretion. Remember, part of this is food that you grow. So think about, could you garden? If you're in the city, you can container garden on a little window ledge. Mm -hmm. There's many, many possibilities. And in the cities, there's some amazing movements with rooftop gardens and community gardens. Look into that. There may be some things right around you where you can get into gardening and get some of your food grown by you or by your friends well and speaking of growing food and having a garden talking about communities you know make sure that you get your friends involved or your family involved it's really important to get kids involved in this kind of stuff i'm going to tell you everywhere i go as soon as you show little kids that you can eat a dandelion they are oh my gosh oh and especially <laughs> so look up wood sorrel or sheep sorrel 
And kids go crazy over these. They're yummy, yummy, oh, yeah. yummy they're, plants. They're just these little things. You don't have to eat tons and tons of them. Just a little here and there, a trail side nibble. But it gives them such a sense of empowerment. It's crazy and delightful. Oh, I have to just say, I remember last summer when we were doing that uh, camp up north. Mm-hmm. And there were a bunch of kids coming out to learn wild skills from you. I was speaking to some woman and she was talking about this and that and the other thing. And I got to talking about, I don't know, I think dandelion tea. And she said, what do you mean dandelion tea? <laughs> I said, well, you can really eat all the parts of a dandelion. She's like, what? I've been trying to get rid of those from my garden for years. I said, oh my gosh. Okay. Let me tell you the things you can do with dandelions. And she was, her mind was blown. Mm. She was so excited. She said, I'm going to go home and eat dandelions. It's so cool. And these foods are everywhere. Uh, again, so many of our weeds. Hey, if you want an easy way to increase your percentage quite a bit, especially in the in the growing months, look into a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture. There are probably many CSA farms in your area. You can look them up online. You sign up with it, and you're going to get a box a week of all kinds of produce. Oh, it's so fruits, much fun. A lot of times, even if you do have a garden, a lot of CSAs will grow really unique and interesting varieties that you maybe thought, oh, it'd be cool to grow that, but, and they will grow it, and you get to try all sorts of different things. I also think there's maybe a some in some areas meat CSAs too, where there's local mm-hmm. farmers who are raising sustainable sustainable meat, and you can get different. Some uh, do dairy and cheeses. Right. Some it's really like handmade candles. Oh or other man, things. it's so great what's happening. But I think I heard even someone saying there was like a paper CSA where you could get handmade paper wow yeah there's so much out there so really look into it and all of this has really makes me think of our action point number two which is learn one new edible in fill in the blank time okay so you're gonna choose once one a month one a month yeah we're we're one this summer or whatever you feel you have time for yeah learn a wild edible that you can eat i said dandelions that's a great place to start go learn about those it's fun. It's really fun then to also go out hunting for these wild edibles. <laughs> and again, you're going to get all kinds of new tastes that you haven't experienced before. There's a website called eattheweeds.com, and that's a wonderful resource. If you are in North America, and especially if you're up in kind of the Midwest. Oh, there's Sam Thayer. Samuel Thayer. The has, Forager's Harvest. If you look up Samuel Thayer, you'll find his website. All of his books on edible plants are really, really good. They, to me, are so much better than just these big books that have hundreds and hundreds of plants, but you can't really identify anything from them. It doesn't tell you how to use them. It's very clear that he has eaten these plants many, many, many times, and he gives you ideas of how to cook them, and it's just super in-depth, very knowledgeable. And then you feel like, yes, I know this one plant. Mm -hmm. So... Eat a plant, a wild plant. Have something wild every day. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It can just be some beautiful wild flowers sprinkled over your salad. Number three, which is take a look at another aspect of this, which is the trash. Instead of trying to just change your food stuff, you can look and say, how could I reduce mm-hmm. the amount of trash and stuff that I'm bringing in? And really my favorite exercise for this is Mirabelle's. Mm-hmm. Is think, when I take this home, I'm going to throw it in my front yard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would add on to that, reframe your mindset about what you think you need and what you think you like and see if you can expand a little bit and get creative. The fun thing about this is that it not only reduces trash, but as you start to reframe, a lot of the foods that come in a lot of packaging are really just junk food. We start to get those junk foods out 
and start to buy things like produce that often Health tend foods. to have less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, closer to what it looks like when it was growing in nature. So if you just try to reduce your packaging, you're also by default almost going to start eating a healthier diet. Mm -hmm. You're going to do that outer perimeter in the grocery store, right? Where mm. you just hit the produce section and then, you know, you're not down the middle of the aisle for all those packaged goods. It's it's very exciting and liberating. It does take changing your taste buds, giving it some time, but as you start to eat healthier, your mind is going to feel more clear. You won't have all these mindfulness mistakes that I make when I talk and say it's a video instead of a podcast. Oh, hush and now, hush now. You'll feel you sleep better. You'll be less stressed. Good food makes changes across the board in your life. You are what you eat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So number four is make your own 100% project. What we mean by this is perhaps you already eat super squeaky clean or you feel really comfortable with that. You're, you're not... just not interested in doing the food thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. You don't have to do what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to change something else in your life. This is just one easy way to say, okay, I'm going to take a 12 month period and each of those months, I'm going to have a specific goal. Maybe it's something that works well to do a percent and by the end you're at a hundred percent, or maybe it's something else where each month you just need to create something that's helping you to reach your goal in the end. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to learn to do a handstand. Right. And you just feel like that's impossible. But if you stretch it out and you say, I'm going to, I'm going to create a way for me to reach that goal that makes sense in my life. This is a great tool for just initiating all kinds of different change. As usual. We strongly, strongly support you in keeping on your rewilding journey. I mean, wild food, so incredible all around us. And it really draws us out and gets us connected. And that's what rewilding asks us to do. It's yeah. all about a deeper connection. Deeper connection. Deeper connection with self, with your environment, with your community. Starting to explore wild food can get you more connected with all of those. Obviously, you're going to get out into nature more, but... It can connect you with your community. If you start looking at local meetups or are, is there a foraging group, just connecting with a couple friends and saying, hey, instead of going out to the movies, let's go out and forage. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about mushrooms starting and oh. Yeah. It's been a great connection for us. We've made friends through our YouTube channel that are down in the cities and such. And we have some mushroom folks that are going to come up and visit us this summer and we'll get to trade knowledge, meet new people. It's going to be really Eat fun. Eat good food. It's all about eating good food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love to you all. Thank you so much for being part of what we do. We just so appreciate your presence in our lives. We are so grateful to all of you who listen and take the time to spend this time just sharing and learning. So we love to hear from you. Don't be afraid to contact us, email us, or head on to our podcast pages and leave a comment. We love to know what kind of wild foods you like, what percent you want to pledge, that sort of a thing. It just delights us. All right, my friends, go for some foraging. Speaking of, I'm going to go get some of that maple sap. Oh, yeah. <laughs>